book two chapters seventeen through twenty two of of the love of god by saint francis de sales translated by h l sidney lear this librivox recording is in the public domain book two the origin of divine love chapter seventeen the love which comes of hope is good albeit imperfect that love which we exercise in hope goes out to god but it returns to us it looks to his divine goodness but it has a view to our profit it tends to his supreme perfection but it ministers to our satisfaction that is to say it does not lift us up to god because he is infinitely good in himself but because he is infinitely good towards us thus ours is a self-interested love not that it is so entirely self-interested as to make us love god solely out of self-seeking surely no for it were sacrilege to love god merely with a view to our own selfish ease and gain the soul which loves god only for love of self puts self in the place of god but there is a wide difference between loving god for that which i expect from him and loving him only for that cause just as it is one thing to say i love god for myself and i love god for love of myself in the first case i love to possess him as my own to have him as my sovereign good and that is like the heavenly bride who is forever repeating my beloved is mine and i am his canticle chapter two verse sixteen but to love god out of selfishness is to put myself as the end of my love and thus to make the level of god's love below that of self which is a manifest impiety so then the love which we call hope is a longing holy and systematic by which we do not seek to adapt god to our purposes but to unite ourselves to him as our final bliss in such love we love both self and god but not as equaling or preferring self to god the love of self commingles with the love of god but the latter predominates self-love is a motive but not the chief end we do not bring him down to us but raise ourselves to him we are not his end or perfection but he ours we belong to him not he to us and in the relation of our sovereign good he receives not of us we all of him he sets forth his riches and goodness we our poverty and need so that to love god as our sovereign good is an acknowledgment that he is our end our rest and our perfection in the enjoyment of which all our happiness consists there are certain things which we prize solely because they are serviceable to us for example our slave our horse our garment and the affection we bear to these is simply selfish 
then there are our friends whom we love because of the gratification they minister to us but at the same time we reciprocate the gain so that our affection is not purely selfish other affections there are of a dependent nature as those for our princes pastors or parents whom we love not merely because they are such but because they hold that relative position towards ourselves individually and this affection is one of reverence and respect for we love for example our parents not because they belong to us but because we belong to them even so we love and long after god through hope not that he may be good for that he is not because he is ours but because we are his not as though he were made for us but because we are made for him observe moreover one feature of this love namely that while the reason which makes us cherish it is our own interest the measure thereof depends upon the excellence and worth of that which we love we love benefactors because they are such but we love them more or less in proportion to the extent of their benefaction why then do we love god with this longing because he is our good but why do we love him above all because he is our sovereign good sovereign love is found only in charity the love of hope is imperfect and consists more of feeling than fact without charity yet as a motive power nothing can exceed hope and therefore we say that through hope we love god supremely chapter eighteen love is to be found in penitence penitence speaking generally is that repentance by which we reject and abhor sin committed resolving to repair as far as possible all injury towards him we have offended i include reparation in my definition because there is no real abhorrence of sin where its offense is voluntarily left unatoned putting aside the penitence of the heathen of whom tertullian speaks we will speak only of a righteous penitence which also varies according to the motives whence it springs there is a penitence altogether human and moral such as that of alexander the great of whom cicero records that having killed his friend clytus he sought to die of hunger or that of alcibiades who being convicted of error by socrates wept bitterly aristotle says that the intemperate man who gives himself up to voluptuousness is wholly incorrigible because he cannot repent and he who is without penitence is incurable assuredly seneca plutarch and the pythagoreans who so strongly urge self-examination especially the first who dwells upon the pain of remorse knew what repentance was and epictetus speaks forcibly of penitence there is another penitence which albeit moral 
has further a religious element in that it arises from a natural consciousness of having offended god by sin sundry philosophers realized that a virtuous life was acceptable to the divinity and per contra that he was displeased by a vicious life epictetus desired to die a christian death as it seems probable he did saying among other things that he should be content if in the hour of death he could lift his hands to god and say i have never voluntarily dishonored thee and he requires his ideal philosopher to swear never to disobey god or murmur at aught he does teaching moreover that god and our guardian angels see all we do such repentance is an offshoot of moral religion but forasmuch as all these philosophers had more knowledge than love nature's light enabled them rather to see how greatly sin offended god than to feel warmly eager to repent and atone for the offence so little did they understand a really religious penitence that the most virtuous the stoics affirmed that the wise man was never sad a maxim as false as that on which it rested is contrary to experience namely that the wise man was not guilty of sin so we may fairly say that penitence is an altogether christian virtue for one main portion of christian philosophy lies in it teaching that he who should say he sinned not is a fool and he who would think to condone his sins without repentance a criminal such is the point of our lord's teaching repent ye the course of penitence is this we begin by fearing because we have so greatly displeased god who abhors all that is evil and from out this fear rise sundry motives any or all of which bring us to repentance we remember that our offended god has prepared the bitter pains of hell for sinners casting them out from paradise the portion of the just and this double fear of incurring evil and losing the good is a great motive to repentance or the thought of the hideousness of sin of god's image marred of the loss of heaven and angelic companionship kindles it or the beauty of holiness or the example of saints for who can contemplate the repentance of the magdalene of saint mary of egypt or the penitence of whom saint john climacus bears record without being moved chapter nineteen penitence without love is imperfect all such motives are taught by our christian faith and therefore the penitence they produce is praiseworthy though imperfect and that because divine love has no share therein all such repentance is kindled by a desire for the welfare happiness or glory of our own soul that is to say by the love of self a lawful love and far be it from me to say that such penitence rejects the love of god but still it does not embrace it 
it is not opposed to that love but it is as yet without its pale that will which simply accepts what is good does well but rejecting what is better it fails therein thus my resolution to give alms to-day is good but if i resolve only to give alms to-day that is bad because it sets aside what is best namely to give to-day and to-morrow and always as far as possible it is well doubtless to repent in order to avoid hell and win heaven but were any one to resolve that he would have no other motive for his repentance he would voluntarily exclude the best namely the love of god and therein he would greatly sin what father but would be displeased if his son resolved indeed to serve him yet never for or with love the beginning of a good thing is good its advance is better its end is best but this must be progressive and no one can begin by the end childhood is a lovely thing but it were not desirable always to be a child it is well to begin to learn but he who so began intending never to finish were unreasonable fear and all such motives for repentance are good as first steps towards christian wisdom and penitence but he who should deliberately reject love as the perfection of repentance would grievously offend him who has made his love the end of all things conclusion that repentance which excludes the love of god is of hell repentance which does not reject that love though as yet without it is imperfect and cannot win salvation until it attains to love so that as saint paul says he who gives his body to be burned and all his goods to the poor without charity profiteth nothing and we may re-echo his words and say that though we should weep out our eyes in tears and break our heart with grief yet without the blessed love of god it would all be of no avail for life eternal chapter twenty how love and grief are mingled in contrition nature has never yet turned fire into water albeit certain waters are capable of taking fire yet god did this once miraculously we read in the maccabees how the israelites when led into captivity in babylon hid the fire of the altar in a hollow pit without water and how after many years their descendants searching for it found no fire but thick water which when they had laid on the altar as though it had been fire and sprinkled the wood and sacrifices therewith the sun shone forth and there was a great fire kindled even so amid the tribulation and mourning of a hearty repentance god often hides the sacred fire of his love in our heart and that love first turns to the water of tears and that again to a glowing fire 
thus it was that the penitent magdalen loved her lord her love turning to tears and her tears to so great ardour that as he said her sins were forgiven because she loved much luke chapter seven verse forty seven and as by the action of fire wine is reduced to a water eau de vie which contains so large a portion of fire that it is commonly called ardent spirits so a thoughtful consideration of that goodness which we have so often offended by sin produces the water of holy penitence whence again comes forth that sacred fire which may fitly be called ardent it is truly water for penitence is a very real sorrow but it burns because it contains the very essence of love whereby it imparts the life of grace therefore perfect penitence has two separate effects through grief and abhorrence it severs us from the creature and from sin to which we were bound by pleasure therein and through that love whence it springs it reconciles and reunites us to god from whom we were estranged so that it at once draws us from sin by repentance and unites us to god by love nevertheless that perfect love of god above all things does not invariably precede such repentance any more than such repentance invariably precedes this love for though it may frequently be so in other cases when god's love dawns in the heart penitence rises out of it or again penitence being roused love springs forth from it and as when esau came to the birth his twin jacob seized him by the foot so that their entrance into the world might be bound up one with the other even so repentance with its hardness and pain is first born esau-like and then sweet love holds on to it like jacob and cleaves so tight that they seem to have but one source and the end of repentance is the beginning of perfect love esau came forth first and penance for the most part is perceived before love but love albeit like jacob the youngest yet rules over repentance and turns it to joy remember the sorrowing magdalene they have taken away my lord and i know not where they have laid him john chapter twenty but when she had found him amid her tears she held him fast in love imperfect love longs for him penitence seeks and finds him perfect love clasps him tight even like the ethiopian ruby the tint of which is pale until it be cast into vinegar when it becomes bright and sparkling just so that love which precedes penitence is mostly imperfect but once steeped in the bitterness of repentance it revives and becomes admirable yet sometimes repentance though true does not contain the full action but only the essence or virtue of love 
do you ask how it can have that without action consider the motive of perfect repentance is god's goodness which we grieve to have sinned against but a motive is such only in that it moves and god's goodness can excite no movement save love that is union therefore true repentance though we do not see the full action of love inherent in it yet receives the impulse of that love and thereby unites us to his goodness just as it is the magnet's special property to attract iron and unite it to itself but nevertheless we see iron which has merely touched the magnet become capable of attracting other iron in consequence and so true repentance when it is touched by the motive power of love acquires its property and stimulates the union of our heart to the divine will you will perhaps ask what difference there is between such an impulse of union and love's own act it is this the action of love is one of union but it springs forth from delight whereas the union which arises from penitence is not caused by delight but by grief repentance reparation and reconciliation in that it is a unitive process it is of the nature of love in that it is bitter and painful it is of the nature of penitence and to sum up in its natural state it is a true movement of penitence but one possessing the virtue and unitive grace of love wine of theriacum is not so called because it actually contains any actual theriaca but because the root of the vine has been watered with that decoction so that the grapes it bears and the wine they produce have imbibed the virtue of the potent antidote and even so we need not marvel that penitence should as holy scripture says efface sin save the soul and make it acceptable to god all which are the results properly appertaining to love love's very choicest works being thus wrought by penitence through the motive power which has excited it nor need we wonder if the strength of love be kindled amid repentance before love itself takes shape we have seen the sun's rays reflected on a burning glass till they produce a consuming heat even before we perceive any flame so god's holy spirit kindling a sense of sin against god's mercy which our will receives penitence grows until that will so earnestly craves to return to god that a flame breaks out even before love is moulded and thus the end of penitence is merged in the beginning of love like esau's foot in jacob's hand the birth of one bound up with the birth of the other thus the beginning of perfect love does not merely follow upon the end penitence but they are entirely commingled and therefrom penitence and contrition acquire life eternal 
and inasmuch as this loving repentance takes expression ordinarily in aspirations such as those of old i am thine o save me psalm 119 verse 94 be merciful unto me for my soul trusteth in thee psalm 57 verse 1 save me o god for the waters are come in even unto my soul psalm 69 verse 1 make me as one of thy hired servants luke chapter 15 verse 19 god be merciful to me a sinner luke chapter 18 verse 13 it is not untrue to speak of prayer justifying for penitent prayer or prayerful penitence which lifts the soul to god and reunites it to his mercy does assuredly obtain pardon in virtue of that holy love with which it is inspired and verily we all should be constant in such ejaculatory prayer issuing from a loving penitence and a great longing after reconciliation with god whereby we may pour out our heart before god pour it out before and into his all-pitying heart which will never fail to extend its mercy to us chapter twenty one how our lord's love draws us on to faith and charity between the first awakening from sin or unbelief and the final resolve to believe fully there often comes a period in which we can but pray with the father of the demoniac boy lord i believe help thou mine unbelief mark chapter nine verse twenty four i am no longer plunged in the darkness of total unbelief yet is my belief faint and shadowy lord help me st augustine in a very remarkable passage very strikingly says hear and understand o man art thou not drawn then pray that thou mayest be drawn wherein he does not allude to the first motion god excites in us when he rouses us from the slumber of sin no one can ask before he be awakened but he is speaking of our resolve to be faithful holding that to believe is to be drawn and therefore he admonishes them that are drawn to believe in god to ask the gift of faith and assuredly none could better know the difficulties arising ordinarily between the first impulse stirred in us by god and the perfect resolution to believe he who was so variously moved by the words of the great saint ambrose by the conversation of pontilianus and manifold other means and yet hesitated so long ere he could decide so that truly to none were more fitly said that which he said thereafter to others o augustine if thou be not drawn if thou believest not pray that thou mayest be drawn and believe our dear lord draws hearts by the attractions with which he sets forth his heavenly truths but before they are altogether one to perfect submission the enemy likewise exercises his craft in temptation meanwhile 
we are fully free to accept or reject those divine attractions but if we do not repulse the grace of holy love it will go on forever swelling within our soul until we be wholly converted like to a mighty river overspreading a plain if that inspiration which has led us to believe be not resisted it will lead us on further to penitence and love saint peter like those birds we wot of moved by the inspiration of his master's look and letting himself be freely borne by the kindly breeze of the holy spirit gazed into the life-giving eyes which had stirred him and reading there as in a book of life the blessed promise of pardon he drew thence a lawful hope and going forth he realized and abhorred the greatness of his sin he wept bitterly and poured forth his sorrowful heart before the merciful heart of his lord asking pardon for his sin and resolving perfect faithfulness for the future so by this progressive course fostered by continual grace he attained remission of sin going on from grace to grace even as saint prosper says without grace we cannot follow after grace in short thus it is that the soul prevented by grace experiencing its leadings and yielding to them comes so to say to itself and breaks forth draw me i will run after thee thy fruit is sweet to my taste the savour of thy ointment is refreshing the bride would not so cry out to her beloved were she not moved thereto by his charms but directly that she feels these she prays him to draw her and being drawn she runs but she would not run were she not won and revived by the sweetness of those perfumes and the closer she wins to her heavenly bridegroom the more delicious those perfumes become until at last he himself flows into her heart with the very fullness of all possible sweetness and perfection thus it is that heavenly inspiration comes and prevents us kindling our will to holy love and if we reject it not it envelops us urging us ever onwards if we fail it not it will never fail us until it bring us to that haven of perfect love fulfilling towards us the office of the archangel raphael to tobias guiding us through the journey of penitence shielding us from the assaults of satan and comforting and strengthening us under all difficulty chapter twenty two what charity is it is thus that by a gradual and most ineffable tenderness god leads the soul he brings up out of the egypt of sin from step to step until he brings it to the promised land by which i mean holy charity which is rather a friendship than a self-interested love 
since by charity we love God for his own sake and his gracious goodness. And it is a real friendship, being as it is reciprocal, and God's love is eternal, man's temporal. It is a recognized affection, for God, who has himself inspired this love, cannot but know it, neither can we fail to be aware of his love for us since he has published it abroad and we know that whatever good we possess is the result of his benevolence while moreover he keeps up a perpetual intercourse with us through his inspirations and leadings he is never weary of proving his love by all manner of tokens having revealed all his secrets to us as to trusted friends and as the climax of his loving intercourse he has given himself to be our food in the blessed sacrament of the eucharist on our side we can communicate with him continually at will by prayer our whole life being bound up in and of and by him now this affection is not simple friendship but one of dilection by which we choose god as the object of special love the chiefest among ten thousand it is a supreme dilection for charity loves god with so exceeding and predominant an affection that all other love seems not in comparison verily it is a love which no human or angelic power can create nor aught save the holy ghost which is given unto us and even as the soul which is the life of our body comes into that body through god's natural providence so that charity which is the life of the heart is not of us but is poured into our heart by his supernatural providence therefore we call it a supernatural affection and that the rather because it has reference to god not according to our natural knowledge of his goodness but through the supernatural knowledge which comes of faith therefore charity is the crowning grace of faith and hope and queen-like sheds its sweetness over the whole soul making it to be beautiful and acceptable to divine goodness so that if the soul be a kingdom of which the holy spirit is king charity is there to be found as a queen in a vesture of gold wrought about with diverse colors psalm 45 verse 10 if the soul be the regal consort of our heavenly king charity is as the royal crown upon her head or if the soul and body together are as a little world charity is the sun which warms vivifies and embellishes the whole blessed is he whose heart is filled with this most holy affection for verily all good things come together therewith wisdom chapter seven verse eleven end of book two chapter twenty two